you guys do our San Diego game last year? Joe, I can't remember where I worked last week. They're going to go for it here on fourth and one. A lot of words, a lot of words. No snap, no play. Nothing, ready? What's your heart? count for him off sides. Hello, hello. Welcome to Hard Count, the NFL podcast from Fox Sports Australia. My name is Melanie Tanyashvi, and I'm here with two charming young lads in Pat Stack. Hello. And Laurie Horish. Very happy to be labelled young. Yeah, I was, uh, I'll take it. So, do you want to be old lads? No, no, no. I've had enough shots at my appearance. Old, old veteran lads. Complexion over the season so far. I'm very happy with a youthful portrayal. How was your weekend? You know what? Not too bad. Pretty busy. Uh, a few social engagements. <laughs> some rooftop drinks. Oh. Yeah. That's not a social engagement. That's a party. Well, yeah. You know, birthdays <laughs> in the family. So, celebrating. That sounds so formal. <laughs> getting into the swing of the hotter months and uh, getting into the swing of yet another crazy, crazy week in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I have officially hit old age. I had oh. uh, three social, no, two social engagements featuring three children wow. of uh, different sort of friends who have decided to spawn rather than continue wow. living their lives. So. Mm. And I had it. It's a very different uh, Hopefully, they're not NFL fans, so they probably won't be listening. Sat around and watched Grey's Anatomy. No, nah, they were lovely, but, you know. <laughs> it's a different vibe You've got to get the balance right. You mm. need to do, like, one Saturday night bender and then, like, kid time Saturday sun, Saturday, or Sunday. Yeah. And instead, I got it the... Um, I just did went full child. Was everyone there talking about their kids Never as well? It. No, to their credit, they're good. Like that. Okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah. I've been to some... I went to a 30th and everyone there had babies or was had pregnant or, you know, recently <laughs> married looking at it all. Blame. And it was really intimidating because, you know, all, they, they, I think all they, they talked about. They expect you to get clucky, but it's just, for me, it's just served to be further contraception. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic note to get us underway yeah. with. Oh, wow. All right. Well, what are the tailgate talking points of the week? Let's check it out. <laughs> what do we got, Laurie? Well, let's start with... The big stunner from the week, and one that if you listen to last week's pod, you may have got a little hat tip to from Patrick Stack. Hell yeah. The Miami Dolphins and Jay Ajayi, they rolled right over the Steelers, 30-15 to 15 in South Beach. Jay Ajayi, the running back, standing in there since Arian Foster went down 204 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And the big, 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 big AFC shake-up story coming out of this is Ben Roethlisberger going down uh, with a meniscus injury. He's going to get it trimmed, so perhaps only a few weeks out as opposed to a season ender. Looks like he's going to miss the Pats, the bye week, which comes at a nice time, and then maybe he's back for the Ravens. The Cowboys will see from there. Oh, just the yo-yo effect in this team is astonishing. I think last week we were asking whether their ceiling was as good as the Patriots' ceiling. That's right. Um, and I don't think we were alone with those sort of outlandish predictions, getting that in a lather about the... Uh, the Ben Roethlisberger-led Steelers, in contrast, they were abominable against the Miami Dolphins. Well, can they Who win are a terrible without Roethlisberger? Team. That's the question. Can, nope. Does Landry Jones has what? Does he have what it takes to carry this team through in Big Ben's little uh, injury period? Or what's their run like? Who have they got? Uh, they got the Pats next, oh, so good, good luck. luck there. As we said, we got the bye, and then you're looking at the Ravens and the Cowboys. So pretty frisky. The Ravens and Steelers always play each other tight. I Landry Jones might be able to eke you out a victory against. The Ravens, and we'll see if Ben's back for the Cowboys. But I think it's 
it's pretty questionable at this stage. And, mm. and this is a team that's had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball as well. And then Miami, what a different story that was. <laughs> Out of nowhere. They'll be stoked with that one. They Adam are Gase. imposters. They are wow. imposters. But they've had a few returns, right, on the offensive well, line. Yeah, that look, they're really playing with them. their whole offensive line for the first time in ages. And what a surprise that after, you know, Ryan Tannehill was sacked 37 times in the first five weeks of the of the season. Yeah. Uh, week six, I think he was hit twice, sacked no times. And, oh, wow, their yeah. offense runs oh, a dream. Yeah. So funny what happens when you build in the trenches. So that was a stunner that probably ended uh, many a multi, many a survivable <laughs> entry. But Patrick Stack, you told us last week you weren't sold on the Steelers. Certainly wasn't. I told anyone out there, do not gamble on the Steelers. And then promptly went against that advice and gambled <laughs> on the Steelers. So what is the lesson there? Back your instincts first up. I don't know. I got just I got a little bit excited about Ben Roethlisberger, and I thought they would be far too good for the Miami Dolphins. But uh, I think you weren't were... alone in there. But mm. well, the Steelers' hot streak ended, and another hot streak ended, but in very different fashion with the Falcons, Melanie. Controversial st- circumstances. So well. controversial. Mm. Uh, the Falcons. They they were on a roll, weren't they? But they lost the Seahawks twenty six twenty four. But in the final minutes, I think it was like a minute and a half Finals. or so left in the game, uh, the Falcons uh, had a no-pass interference call on Julio Jones. It looked like Richard Sherman might have uh, interfered. No, sorry, there's no might. I haven't seen someone hang on to an NFL <laughs> star like that since Marshawn Lynch came to town and Melanie Janowski <laughs> followed him around. I've not That's seen that level of... <laughs> This is our rumours stuff. I've not seen that level of clinging oh, since, uh, since Beast Mode came to town. Oh, Richard no. Sherman had the full do-si-do hook arm going. <laughs> yeah. I had him turned. Julio still went up with one arm. Uh, for me, that was pass interference. But you know what? This is what we talked about last week. We said, what rules would you change? And we threw around, uh, you know, changing the pass interference mm-hmm. call from a spot foul, which would have been, you know, 50 yards downfield to a 15-yard penalty in a fresh set of downs. And it gets called in that situation. You can't situation. tell me the refs don't call that in that situation. The pressure of, oh my God, I'm going to flip the field with the game on the line with two serious contenders weighs into these calls, and it shouldn't. It should just be, was this pass interference? Yes. Mm. Mel, are you, do you lose any sort of fandom with the Falcons, though, given the fact that they were pretty much dominated for three quarters of the match by uh, a pretty impressive um, Seahawks outfit? And they only really turned it on for one quarter, and they still nearly knocked over the, the Seahawks. You, you wouldn't be off, the, off them just yet, would you? No, not at all. But Matt Ryan was pretty productive, 335 mm. yards, three touchdowns, one interception uh, against, as you mentioned, a team like the Legion. Boom. They took a little time to sort of feel them out, yeah. but once they got going, that Julio went over that TD, that first TD, mm. Oh, it was it was it was all coming at them, and Matt Ryan gives you every confidence that that he can produce these numbers week in week out. Absolutely. On the flip side, Lawrence, mm. if you look at Russell Wilson mm. and his efforts, if you look at the box scores, not so impressive. But was there, is this one of those performances that maybe the box scores don't do full justice to what he was turning out there? Yeah, I think a lot of people look at their fantasy lineups and wonder why there weren't more points from Russell Wilson. No passing touchdowns, but the offense is moving a lot smoother. The offensive line is gelling together a lot better, and Christine Michael, the oh. awakening. You know what We're all is? woke now. Okay, here's my We're thing all about, awake about now. Kristen Michael. That is a s- classic boy named Sue scenario. You name your kid, Christine, <laughs> who is a boy, and then he's just got a hard knock life to get tough. I think a couple times he's tried to say it's Christian or like it's something. But I'm sorry, oh, once you it? spell it that yeah. way, it's Christine. No, yeah, it, the, he got the roll call jitters. How many times in primary school was it uh, Christine? Cri- yeah. Miss Christine Michael, are you here? Do you yeah. remember no. when Ricky Ponting went through a phase where he was like, no, it's Rick? <laughs> it's Rick. No, it's not. Good no. luck with no. that. You're Ricky with stubble. You can and shave <laughs> off that goatee, but you are Ricky forever. <laughs> but no, the, the, the Seahawks looking very, very much the real contender. 
contenders. Mm-hmm. I think Russell Wilson only gets healthier. The running game looks great. Uh, the passing game, you know, Tyler Lockett's still not healthy, but they're getting it done elsewhere. And Jimmy Graham continues to, uh, you know, have his re-emergence, his re-enlightenment campaign as one of the biggest matchup threats and, and, and dangers up the middle of the field uh, in the NFL today. Mm-hmm. And we move on to the Giants game where they... Uh, Lena Dunham it? be damned. Oh, <laughs> Cop the this Dunham. Lena Dunham. And, and who was it? Odell. Girls has been mate. rubbish for four or five seasons, but Odell Beckham <laughs> Jr. continues to chop up. 222 yards. So two that in your Met Gala pipe and smoke it. When I say two TDs for 22, what comes to mind? Two for two, two, two. There we go. Richie Benno making his presence felt in the hard count booth for the First time this season. So they get it done 27 to 23 over the Ravens, whose, you know, um, unbeaten start to the season has taken a hit over the past few weeks. Mm. The big talking point, the latest. Terrible. You're off the Ravens. You're calling fraud. They're done. Yeah. Look, it'll be interesting. That division's shaky as all anything right now. It would be just not. It would just be a great injustice if they managed to make it into the playoffs with that sort of performance. Anyway, um, and that sort of team. But uh, that's just my personal view. 27 to 23, that's hardly anything right home about for the Giants, though, is it? No, they, but they came up big. Odell Beckham on a fourth and one play. Catch and run and see you later. Runaway freight train. Leading to, look, we had a two-part yeah. installment of this latest celebration novel. Firstly, after the first touchdown, he pulls the infamous kicking net down and looks to have consummated their latest relationship. And when then... You, when you're trying to root a kicking net, I don't know. <laughs> you may, you're making Lena Dunham look good you, when you do that. You may be like, seeing a movie nobody else can watch. Mm. Um, and then after the Is second touchdown... that when he touchdown, pulled it on top of himself? That's, that's yeah. what you're yes. classifying as consummated. The, okay. that's Brad Wing, I think, was, was on the sideline yelling, consummate, <laughs> consummate, just getting really Australian on it. And then the second touchdown leads to him proposing in front of all cameras to the kicking net. Is this gone too far? Like, this is pretty contrived. This has jumped the shark, yeah. no? Uh, well, this is a good full stop on the uh, sort of situation. You Isn't think- it? Like, we're, we're good. We got, we got a bit out of it. It was week. a bit of entertainment. No, this is all right. Okay. I, I didn't mind carrying on. I, like, I'll, anytime I can take personality, I will embrace that with mm-hmm. my athletes. I'm not going to try and get them all to be robots because even if you're a bit of a wanker, I'll take that over a robot any day of the week. But um, more of a concern, I would have thought, if you're a Giants fan, he takes his helmet off while he's still on the field, right? And yeah. they, if you're things playing sort with of fire, go... Yeah. Well, like they won by four points. That could have very easily backfired on him and the Giants significantly, couldn't it? Lawrence? Look, it could have. Um, maybe the Ravens receiving core doesn't give you too much shakes that they could have completed a deep pass from no, no matter where on the field they were. But yeah, that's that's some lack of thinking. We've seen receivers do that before. Andre Johnson took his helmet off. Des Bryant has been caught doing it before in very, very tense playoff circumstances as well. But yeah, I think it's a nice full stop and hopefully we end, this is where this celebration run ends and we don't get, you know, bye week, Pictures from Bora Bora with Odell Beckham Jr. in the kicking net on one of those beautiful huts over the turquoise ocean. You cooked that one up earlier, didn't you? And I thought it was very good. Chat about Bora Bora. I do enjoy. Look, that was good. You know, there's a time in my life. I haven't. There's a time in my life coming coming up where I may need to look at Bora Bora uh, accommodation. Speaking of romantic getaways, (laughs) breaking news: Melanie Dinyashki. What? What? Getting her first weekend away with the new heartthrob in Barrow. Yeah, played a little golf. Went to the Bradford Museum. This is like in confidence. What I want to say, though, what I want to say, though, because you are a fierce golfer. This is locker room talk, 
You are the reigning champion in terms of golf in this on the lower ground room at Four Broadcast Waiatam, and a serious golfer. And I consider myself a golfer, and you've beaten me on the course from the men's tees. So I don't even start with that, any of you listeners out there. Sorry to the listeners out there. She is off the market. Dear. All right. You missed that window. Now, you know who might be on the. Fan mail, though. You know who might be on the market after this season is plenty of Panthers players, by the way. This is going. They go down to the Saints who add more pain to Carolina, 41-38 shootout victory. I'm not sure whether New Orleans are too flawed to make a run. Breeze was incredible, 465 yards, four Crazy touchdowns. Numbers. Crazy numbers. I, I, do we think the they Saints are way can... too flawed to make a run? <laughs> Here we I go. Can tell you. They give up too much, uh, too much ter- territory, mm. too much possession. You, you can't expect to concede 38 points <laughs> and get a W. Yeah, <laughs> no. that is just uh, that is good fortune, not good management. But on the other side, we're in serious crisis mode here for the one-win Carolina Panthers. Oh, and Stackman called it. Yes, I said both teams from the Super Bowl would slide. So they are gone. The Panthers are gone one and five. They are not making playoffs. Broncos have had their slip-ups as well, so you're absolutely spot on. Cam Newton didn't have too bad a day, but serious beast mode vibes in the post-game press. I'm going to pay salty. a little. He was not happy. Just doing what I'm asked to do. Just got to be better. Feel all right. No, sir. Just got to find ways to win the football game. Next question. Just got to find ways to win the football game. Next question. That is not a happy Cam. Does and he then need he to... stormed out. And then he stormed, he stormed out. out. Does Cam need to stop being stroppy and sappy and soppy mm. and start leading the team from really the brink of a season-ending loss if it comes again? Mm. Well, we saw that after Super Bowl 50, but that was slightly different it's circumstances. Obviously, it's the Super Bowl and there were... Broncos players celebrating like just beside him while he was fronting the media. Yeah, but, having Chris Harris right next to you. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in this instance, we know that he's competitive. We know he wants to win, and he didn't play particularly badly either. No. Um, when you, as you said, when you put up thirty-eight points, that's nothing to shrug at. To, to shrug at, and yeah. um, I guess he's just really salty. But you can't, you can't be doing, you can't be carrying on like that. You have an obligation as an athlete. To front the media to give them a you know a little piece. Do you know what? I actually don't have a problem with it because it tells a story in itself. If you can run that as we have there, because we're an excellent organisation, um, <laughs> in, in its entirety, it does sort of tell a piece. It doesn't. It fails to tell a piece or tell a story when you start doing it week in week out. It just I think mode, it's, it's your the mate. look though. What I will say is, do you wonder whether Cam Newton's got some organisational frustration as well? Dave Gettleman and the front office didn't keep Josh Norman intact. In fact, they had him on the franchise tag, then rescinded it and let him go to Washington. Mm. They've cut Benny Ben Wickery. Uh, there's serious holes in this roster and Cam's putting up 38 points and that defense that was support. that yeah. defense was stout as any last season, except maybe the Broncos, is there frustration at what one and the, five. Fr- yeah, what one the front office five. has done to his Super Bowl contending team? They overachieved last season. Uh, the Buffalo Bills overachieving. <laughs> 45 and 16. 45-16 <laughs> victory over the weekend. Tell you what, ever since you buried Rex Ryan Call and then I jumped on board, I will front looks, up. I was with you there. He looks like a beaver. I don't think beavers... <laughs> I wouldn't. If I was putting together an NFL team, I wouldn't have a beaver coach my side. I tell you what, that beaver's got a four-game winning streak and they're right in the AFC playoff hunt. Am I right in saying that big beaver. they have gone on a run behind the beaver ever since the beavers sacked their offensive coordinator? They have. So... 
Genius is that, move. Is that a massive indictment on their old in, uh, offensive coordinator? Absolutely. They, they put a man in who was a running backs, backs coach, and oh, what did they have? A 300-yard running game. Like, are you kidding me? Shady McCoy goes down with what looks like a blown-out knee, and what does he do? Come back and have three touchdowns on the day. Buffalo Bills running wild. Yeah, it's it's definitely an indictment on their former offensive He's coordinator. He's not going to get sacked, is he? But it's the 49ers, no, dude. We're going like, to be wrong, I mean, aren't we? Okay, good. Reality bless, check. Yes. But- you know, props to the Bills. They've they've gone on a nice little run here, but what's the 49ers? However, 49ers, <laughs> Chip Kelly likes what he sees in Kaepernick. He mm. says that he's going to stick with him for next week. I don't know who it was saying it before, but I should thought it was a fun. very good hot take that uh-huh. that the Buffalo uh, Stadium should just pump the national anthem every time Kaepernick <laughs> had to take a snap, so he'd have to take a knee. Oh, oh yes, that everybody made that joke. Uh, I thought yes. that was very clever. Yes, so Maybe I'm just a simple mind. Well, we can get further into the Bill supporters yeah. later. They'll appear perhaps in not so <laughs> glittering circumstances. And then one more big tailgate talking point to touch on. Cowboys rookie duo Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and a banged-up defense roll the Packers 30-16 to at Lambeau. We'll get into the quarterback controversy. It's been plenty touched on later in the piece. We don't get bogged down there. But are Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense broken? What is going on here? They look anemic, inaccurate, unopen, or closed. It's also a term. Am, am I wrong in saying that Aaron Rodgers seems to perform better when he's scrambling, as opposed to when he has time in the pocket to make a play? I mean, that is a very that is just anecdotal evidence. I'm not taking, no, backing that with any numbers. No, but. I, I think that's absolutely the case. It's been in some of his greatest years and greatest performances, they were dealing with plenty of injuries on the offensive line or just a porous offensive line, and he was still putting up numbers to the point where, and I think it was put best, and I'm going I'm to quote Chris Wessling here, his phenomenal NFL media head. Uh, he said, what we're seeing is an extended slump brought upon by lapse in fundamentals. He was provided tons and tons of time in that pocket. The Dallas pass rush was nowhere to be seen, and he's inaccurate timing's off and the confidence looks down to the point where has he gone to scramble mode so many times that it's scrambled his brain when he's clean in the pocket <laughs> I don't know about that um, <laughs> the but fans I love it. didn't like it there again is something we alluded to earlier you can hear the crowd this is a frustrated they would be the first to admit a spoiled crowd I don't care what sport it is. If you boo your own team, you're a jerk. Not as, happy with that. As no, they said, just... they're, they're spoiled to Lambo. They're used to winning. That is a on fortress. Brett, on Brett Favre Hall of Fame ring night. Yeah. The Greybeard was yeah. there. Brett and they're Favre. booing. That was on an Eddie Lacy run, too. I think they were just sick of seeing their you know, money. And a guy who was really banged up. Eddie Lacy is not healthy. No. And neither is James Starks. And they haven't. I don't think they've brought anyone in since, have they? They've brought up a practice squad player today because James Stark is going to be out a few weeks yeah. post-surgery. Look, I, for Can we me, scratch him off? Uh, I'm not ready to scratch him off, but Mike McCarthy is in serious trouble. His play calling, he's taken that back. That offense hasn't evolved over the past few years. The same screen and bubble screen routes are looking way stale and defences have their number. You'd like to see just some more out of what is a talented so wide receiver core. maybe he'll be the first coach to get the... If my big problem... Look, I think Aaron Rodgers has been in- inaccurate all season, which is strange to see, but Mike McCarthy, serious questions to answer. Mm. Surely chucker. Now, we're kind of mad at Mike McCarthy and the Packers right now, but now it's time to get to some people that have us oh, saying... Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Colts blowing a two-touchdown lead late in the fourth quarter against the Houston Texans. Costing me a six-pack to Patrick Stack. I've got a little sub 
disappointment here, and it's at myself, because after going 0-2 in my multi for the first two of the three legs, uh, I had this particular leg, and I felt that the Texans were just basically a competent team going up against an incompetent team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had the bet of a six-pack, and I got home from work. I was a bit tired. And we're down by 12 or 11, the Texans, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to bed. Screw this. Horishes. And then I was so... I didn't even have the glory of lording it over you on any social media platforms. I got in this morning and I said, oh, yeah, what kind of beer do you want? And you're like, no, douchebag, you won. So I'm a little bit disappointed what in I myself. Did, I really liked Vince Wilfork, the, uh, the big man from Houston who used to be a Patriot. Probably actually one of the biggest guys in the NFL. Am I wrong? Seen him in overalls. Oh, yep. my gosh. Anyway, um, he's like, for those fans who are leaving the stadium early before the Texans got the overtime win, um, they, he's like, well, I hope they enjoyed their brisket. <laughs> Isn't that a nice little parting shot? Very well, good. That's a nicer comment than Colts defensive lineman Eric Walden, who came up with, we blew it. This feeling is gross. It's like we pissed down yeah. our own leg. And as someone disgusting. who has pissed down their own leg, it is not a good thing. <laughs> oh, so the Colts... No, have you Patrick, done that? No. <laughs> I'm Maybe so you should do that. In you. So that really? Yeah, so you understand what Eric Walden's talking about. Oh, boy, is it gross. Oh, no. I was in a wetsuit. I was having a surf. Oh, well, that's, this is an important side note. <laughs> just like Asterix wa- yeah. was in the ocean. In the water. Yeah. So, Stacky, Stacky clearly empathetic <laughs> and disappointed. Yeah, look, this is just frustrating to see. The Colts could take this division. It is an underperforming one at best. That's an understatement. But this team, the men- mentality is there. We've seen it in previous weeks of the Chargers. They got over the hump against the Denver Broncos this week. But you could almost sense how we're going to lose this seeping in. Chuck Pagano's doing a really questionable job at the helm there. Is he there. going? Oh, look, he's got to be moving into serious contention. With Mike McCoy getting a big win for the Chargers, you've got to think Chuck Pagano is eking in there. I know we've got an extension. Are the Indianapolis media just all over him? Oh, that'll be coming this week in heaps and bounds. Okay. So he's got us... The, the, the Colts in general just have us disappointed because Andrew Luck is there and that's talent you don't want to see go to waste. Yeah. But you know who else has got me disappointed? Tell me. The Jacksonville Jaguars equipment staff. Now, they, the Jags managed to get a, a sneaky fourth quarter win, 17-16. They scored all their points late over the very forgettable Bears. But quarterback Prince Amukamura, now I understand he's new to the team. He came this Amukamara. year. Amukamara. Ah. Prince Amukamara, who was an off-season signing, had his jersey spelt wrong. There was a typo on his game day jersey. Given his name is Prince and they've had some name trouble with him, should he now be just known as the football player previously known as? So that was the just a little bit disappointed. Talk to me about NFL and his. And who's got us really upset? Yeah. Mel, the Bills fans. Mm. Oh, these Muppets. Oh, no, I'm really, really quite disappointed about this. No, Shouldn't they be at a Trump rally or something? Actually, I'm not disappointed. I'm pissed off. <laughs> um, Bills fans, what are you doing? Okay, I kind of understand tackling Kaepernick dummies outside of the stadium because that's your opposition quarterback. Sure. Um, that's a bit of fun. But you definitely cross a line when you're throwing a bottle at Ka- Colin Kaepernick and um, you're yelling, your parents didn't even like you. Kaepernick, of course, being adopted. Yeah, classy. Um, and, classy. and selling merchandise that says uh, stand up and shut up and Reports of and Islamophobia t-shirts. seeping into some of the calls and stuff. I don't think he's even... He's not even, an Islam- he's not even a Muslim. Not even no, no, this it's is... Just, it, like, it's, it's so dumb and I just can't understand how anyone would be brought to say those things. Especially from a fan base that generally gets a good rap as a good group. And there were some yeah, fans there. Yeah, Bill fans. Like... There were some that there were, were some Bills fans that said we appreciate your support, stance and yes. kneeling and support, but this this little section, the true, true low, low, low this point, the nadir of NFL fandom, 
Really not nice to see. We don't want to see that because, you know, we talk about how great tailgating is yeah. over there and we'd love to see it in an Australian sport. This is not what we want on show. No. If you want to catch the depths of that, jump on Twitter and just see how that goes. And then What I did like was Kaepernick going, well, if they did throw stuff, they didn't have very good aim. So that was... Uh, <laughs> nice shot by Kaepernick. Might have been so the best classy. shot he threw on that day, Ooh. unfortunately, for the 49ers. And then we get Vontez Burfecht, known, mm-hmm. probably taking the mantle from... Dominican yeah, Sue is the dirtiest. He is the dirtiest bloke in the NFL. A really nasty shot at the knees of Martellus Bennett before the ball arrived. Just diving in low. No, no technique. The NFL's in- investigating it. Uh, you hate Bennett to see was this. Bennett nowhere near. The, that's putting a guy's career in danger. It, and exactly. It's a, it's a violent game that we all enjoy, but there's generally a consensus between what, NFL the, players that we're protecting each other's livelihood here. What's the likely outcome if the NFL find that he's, you know? Wouldn't put inappropriate. Wouldn't put fines or suspensions, suspensions past this guy with yeah. a guy with a guy of this rap. And it's interesting because you know Marty copped that. Uh, his brother Michael Bennett also got in a little heat. In the Seahawks. He called out the Falcons' offensive tackle Jake Matthews for what he called a B hit, a bitch hit, I believe. <laughs> it was a bitch <laughs> hit for his cut block, taking out free spot block. Call it a cut block. Okay, yeah. Um, taking out the knees of Michael Bennett. So the Bennett brothers, always outspoken. Perhaps, I don't know whether it's any anyone having a bit of a shot at what they uh, went off on their E60 doco where the, the two brothers... Certainly didn't holster the guns up, on that time. Lined up NFL, Roger Goodell. Jason Witten, Chicago, Chicago Bears. Yep. Lined up uh, Witten. Oh, man. The, my favourite one was uh, Martellus Bennett going, yeah, Chicago weren't winning any games because there was a team full of bitches. That's what he said. Wow, they really throw that B word around, don't they? It's, it gets He's, plenty of run. Yeah. So those are the guys getting us mad. Mm. And when people do get mad, Mel and Stacky, yep. they like to go on Twitter. Yes, they do. And we are now joined by the head of sport from Twitter Australia, Jono Simpson, who joins us to talk all things Twitter and the NFL, a big relationship this year. Jono, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, Jono, uh, Twitter has gotten a very cool little uh, partnership going with the NFL this season. Uh, with Thursday Night Football, which, of course, is Friday morning Australian time. Can you tell us a bit about what that is? Yeah, so we've uh, signed a deal with the NFL to live stream nine or ten Thursday Night Football games um, globally around the world mm-hmm. um, on Twitter for free, no sign-ups, no nothing. Log on to Twitter. You don't even have to be logged on. You can just go to twitter.com um, and you'll, you'll see the stream there on Friday morning. You can watch it on your Apple TV as well. We've got a brand new Twitter app on the Apple TV, the new generation Apple TV, so you can watch it on your TV. Awesome. And essentially it's us bringing the live experience to as many people as we possibly can around the world. And the NFL obviously have a good saturated um, market in the US, but they're trying to work on getting more eyeballs to watch their content and engage with them on a global scale. And that's what we brought to the table. Um, so, you know, interestingly, if you look at some of the stats around Twitter usage, about 95% of um, all of our video views are on mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been really excited. We've done three, I think, maybe four games now, um, and it's been huge success uh, around the world, and we've been really happy with, uh, with how it's been rolled out. This joined experience between, you know, the NFL community across the globe, but especially the Australian community, it's almost like a picnic of opinions and <laughs> people sitting about throwing around their hot takes. From that uh, big discussion, what have you guys learned about Australian fans? What are we seeing from the way Australian NFL fans are engaging with, with kind of this collective viewing experience? Yeah, I think there's always been an audience there. So, And as you well know, there's, there's really passionate, committed 
NFL fans in this country. Um, so there's always been that audience there, and I think what we're trying to work with with the NFL is to just increase that audience a little bit, little bit more. So last year, um, obviously, the Hain plane went ballistic, and a lot of people were talking about the NFL last year off the back of Jared Hain. So we've seen an increase in the amount of content, the amount of discussions, the amount of fans in Australia talking about the sport. And in fact, Jared Hain was actually what I think the most talked about NFL player in a single country when it comes to individual athletes. So he was bigger than Brady in the US when you break down the percentage of conversations within wow. each country. Um, so a lot of discussions around Jared Hain last year, which I think opened the door for the NFL to get a bit more um, people talking about it and watching it in Australia. But you know, what we're trying to do is deliver an experience for both the hardcore fans like yourselves who want to find out more, know more, get a better experience um, from within Australia, but also allow those sort of casual fans, probably someone like myself who you know, went to my first NFL game last year, I saw Jared Hayne on the field for three seconds. Um, I've been a 49ers fan for a while because I work at Twitter and that's, you know, that's where they're based in San Francisco. So it's me having the ability to be able to watch a Thursday night game, which I've never done before. And we're yeah. opening up a whole new world to the NFL to reach these types of audiences. And not only just watching the game, but then sharing those experiences. And you, you talked about the picnic. It's about you know, fans talking about their experience, talking to other fans, getting the best content because then essentially what it turns into is brand advocates for want of a wankier term <laughs> brand advocates for the nfl doing their work for them for free so i've said i've been watching this game you can watch it now yourself and it's me telling people how to watch the game where to watch the game and how much i'm enjoying it um so i think that's what we're trying to work on is delivering that experience to fans so they can share it with as many people as possible yeah, you're preaching to the choir in this room, <laughs> Jono. We are tragics for Twitter. Um, but I guess it's been a bit of an interesting storyline this season with the launch of, of Twitter being involved with the NFL, but also um, the NFL's new social media policy, which severely restricts what individual teams can post about live games. And we saw um, was it Cleveland Browns. They had like clay-esque animation going on to replicate a play in, uh, in the game in week six. Um, just making fun, a bit of a mockery of, of uh, how strict these rules are. What's your take on that? Is that, is that a bit detrimental to what you're trying to achieve and what you've, what you've spoken about? Um, not, not necessarily. I think as long as fans can find that content somewhere on Twitter, and at the moment the NFL are delivering themselves. Yeah. So they're providing great high-quality video highlights as well as the live stream on Thursday nights on Twitter. So that content is there. What we started to see the teams do really creatively, and I think it's probably opened up some of the team's eyes to do things a little bit differently. And my mantra on Twitter is, you know, don't tweet boring shit. Like, <laughs> no one wants to see that stuff. So do something unique, do something different than no one else has got. And interestingly, I think that's what started to happen with these rules and regulations, is the clubs are now starting to think a little bit more creatively. And you'll probably see the engagement around these tweets are probably higher than the actual video content. But I think if you go back and actually look at the specifics of the, the NFL's ruling, I think there's been a little bit of media overkill in terms of not quite understanding what it all means. But I do like how the teams have been creative and have had a sense of humour about it. And that's really, I think, added to the conversation. It's kind of like uh, the NFL are the teachers and, and all of us are just the cheeky class 
kids in class trying to... The class clown. Yeah, that's Finding it. new ways <laughs> to circumvent the rules. I think we will find, you know, a nice middle ground. As you said, you know, the rules come out and then it's, it's all about working out exactly what they mean. I think something some fans may be missing is when you do have members of their, uh, you know, social media teams down on the sideline providing pretty interesting vantage points for big plays and touchdowns. But as you said, we've also seen some pretty amazing claymation from teams like the Browns, <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles, I know got involved oh, yes, as well. Eagles. Do you think maybe the next step is we'll have these, the PR teams or maybe members of the media team back at HQ reenacting the plays to then put up as their replay on I'd, Twitter? I'd put my hand up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not a bad little job. Uh, potentially. I mean, it all comes down to the amount of resource, time and energy you're going to put in for your return on investment. Um, so you want to deliver what the fans want. So you need to make sure your strategy is around what do our fans want, let's get it to them as quickly as possible. Um, but you don't want to lose that, I'm at the game, here's what's happening at the game, here's the atmosphere, here's the smells, here's the sounds. Like, you need to provide that insight for your fans. So I think what it will probably get to is a mixture of both. So it'll be the balance of, we'll have someone at the ground who'll provide that colour, and not necessarily match vision, because you know people pay a lot of money to own the rights to that match vision, and if you can't do it, then you don't want to break the rules. But there's still lots of other opportunities to create great video content at the game itself. But then also having someone back at HQ or back at their office trying to create some more custom or bespoke content, I think, will also be where it's headed. Um, but that all comes down to resourcing and how much time and effort you're willing to put into it. But I think if you look at what's happening in Australia, um, you know, we're probably less resourced. And maybe not. Maybe it's just one or two people in the NFL at teams as well. But they're trying to find that balance as well. So they'll sit at the media box and do some play-by-plays and some scores and some stats. But when we start looking at that, you know, we say, well, I can probably do that from my television at home. So I can provide a play-by-play. I can provide some stats. I can even listen to the radio and get the injury reports and tweet that out. What clubs are starting to think about now is providing things that no one else has access to. Mm. Can I go in the rooms at halftime and provide some content? Can I talk to a player pre- or post-game that no-one else has access to. That's the type of content I think that works best, mm. is something that no-one else has got, and that's why people are going to share your content. Now, Jono, there's a little bit of a dicey subject in this podcast because two members of this podcast have a pretty little blue tick next to their, their <laughs> Twitter accounts, but there's one man who does not. The most active man <laughs> in this podcast. One who booth. has the Twitter app attached to his hip at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Lawrence well, why, did I, why did I not know that uh, <laughs> the, the, the blue tick verification was the main reason for you inviting me on this podcast? <laughs> no, 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 no. Twitter's advent with NFL broadcast streaming has been fantastic. He only mentions it fantastic. every second day. So. <laughs> so I think the great thing here is, and the great thing for, for both of us really, but probably more importantly for me, is that you no longer need to ask me directly. So traditionally what would happen is I would get DMs every single day of people saying, can you get me the verified blue tick? I need the blue tick. I want the blue tick. Um, And then I would have to go through them and go, you know, do you deserve it? Are you worthy of it? Are you going to treat it with respect and do it well? But now we've actually opened it up to everybody. So anybody can request the blue tick through our website. You put in all the details. They'll ask you a heap of questions. And then the verification team in the state will take a look. Yeah, well, I'm sure Mel and Pat won't hesitate to <laughs> start labelling me as just anybody else as far as Twitter is concerned. But uh, I, I promise no more DMs. And uh, if you maybe just send over your bank details, I can hopefully fast-track the process. But no, we really do uh, appreciate you coming on and joining us because, you know, the, the access that social media and Twitter provides us as fans, you know, and we're displaced fans being in Australia, yeah. uh, is fantastic. And like you said, 
Uh, the, the access that you provide in the NFL, and, and you see it in the NBA as well, is particularly special, uh, something that we don't have as much in Australian sport, locker room access and player interviews. It's something I think you know Australian fans in particular would love to see integrated into the Thursday night football thing as this all takes off. Before, before I do go, I must get a plug-in. Um, other than you, know, you wanting me to come in for verification, I came in for a reason as well. <laughs> My plug is that you know, um, Twitter Australia have just announced the first live streaming deal outside of the U.S ever. So we've got the NFL deal, we've been doing some stuff with the NBA, um, there's been the, de- the, the debates that you may or may not have seen that's been mm-hmm. happening in the States live streamed on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But last week we announced that we'll be live streaming the Melbourne Cup. Amazing. So it'll be the first um, sporting event, the first event outside of the US that's going to be streamed so on the 1st of November. Um, all of your listeners, all of the people around the world will be able to log on at about 2.30pm on the Tuesday, the 1st of November to live stream the Melbourne Cup, wherever you are in the world, on your mobile, on your desktop, or on your Apple TV. Well, all I'd say is that 15-year-old me and I think 15-year-old Stack, you want to know where that was when we were stuck in year 11 uh, in period 7 and couldn't watch the Melbourne Cup ourselves. <laughs> but, uh, no, that is fantastic. And, and like we said, whether you want to call it a picnic, a carnival, a, a locker room, a, a tailgate, or, a, or around the water cooler, it's a fun place to be, especially with these international sports. So thank you again, Jono, for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. All the best. So a big thank you to John O. Simpson from Twitter Australia for that. And speaking of Twitter, it's time for our mailbag. As you know, Postman Pat, that is me. And as I was bullied <laughs> along those sort of lines, pretty weak bullying. But we're going to get into the mailbag now. We've got a few questions coming to us. You can always get in touch with us by tweeting the at hard count page or even hashtag hard count. Uh, and at Riley389 wants to talk to us about Ding Dong. I wonder whether we get to this in this podcast. <laughs> the quarterback situation in Dallas. What happens with the quarterback situation in Dallas? Would you see going from Dak, brackets, on a winning streak, to Romo as potentially disrupting the locker room? Lawrence. All right. I think, and this is interesting because, you know, everybody's got their take. Oh, I think it should be Romo. I think it should be Dak. But this common notion coming out is that, oh, if you bring Romo back, you're disrupting the locker room. You know, guys like Ian Rappaport saying, oh, they get the feeling from the outside that Dak's got more support to keep things status quo than Romo does to change it. Ike Taylor going off on NFL Network. You've got, you know, Herm Edwards going off and saying these things as well. My question is, Tony Romo hasn't been a quarterback to shut out Dak when he turned up. No. He welcomed him in. He helped him with development. He's on the sideline. Dak even said today he's like another coach on the sideline. Why would this disrupt a locker room that's been with Tony Romo for years? We were talking about this a little bit. It's, it's not quite the same situation as in some other QB backups uh, situations in yep. teams through history where you might have had a lot of rivalry. Brady um, and Bledsoe. Oh, that's yep. the classic one, isn't yep. it? There Montana and Young. Favre and Rogers. Favre and Rogers. And even Bledsoe, when he was the incumbent in Dallas and Tony Romo arrived as a young undrafted star, Bledsoe locked him out. He gave him nothing. He didn't talk to him. He didn't help him at all. That's not what we have here. And no. I think that's why you've seen a good relationship. So whether you think... That said, though, every week, mm. we're getting closer to Romo not being put back in this team, aren't we? Like, he's... They now go into the bye, am I right? They now so, go into the bye. And then they've got a pretty easy run coming out got, of the bye, they? got the Philadelphia Eagles, who just went down to Washington. Stephen in Jones, Dallas, though, right? Uh, I believe they get them in Dallas. Yeah. And Stephen Jones, uh, the COO, and Jerry Jones' son, has said, look, it's probably looking like it's a push for Romo to target that day. Yeah. So then you get to the Cleveland Browns. That has huge highlights, headlights, big neon lights. It's Are a nice comeback game. Are they going to do it? That's my question. For that game, well, how could call you? it? Yes? No? No, they won't. I think they do. 
They do. They do. Okay. Because if you look at the film, Tony Romo is still a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Prescott has been phenomenal. He's shown amazing poise and promise for his age. We saw his first interception come. How impressive was it the way he bounced back from that? Really though? nice to see him bounce back. But if you're looking at some of the throws he's missing or some of the reads he's missing, he's still not... He's still not the quarterback Tony Romo is when healthy, and we do need to see that, and that's part of it. We do need to see that. And another thing, we are grading Dak Prescott on a rookie scale. Whether people will admit it or not, when you're watching him, you're grading him with rookie lens in mind. You're not grading him as just a standard veteran quarterback, so you're holding him perhaps to a lower standard than you would when you are watching a Drew Brees, a Tom Brady, a Tony Romo, a Peyton Manning of old. But they're winning. They are winning. (laughs) And he's Would they not be winning with Tony Romo, though? And he, has he, did he end up getting an interception in he that did. game? He did. He threw an interception in the shadow of his own goalpost. And then he fumbled. Well, and he, well, he did that, have a fumble. There was the fumble that was an interception before that, <laughs> yeah. really. Mm. Let's, and, let's, let's talk about and the that. Dallas. Okay, he just, just <laughs> overtook Tom Brady because... It was touch when he was making the decision. Not happy about that. As Stacky mentioned, Prescott did a fantastic job rallying and showing veteran poise to come back for such a young player. But yeah, I don't I thought he'd s- fold after that. I don't see how Tony Roma doesn't win these similar games, especially okay. when the defense is doing a good job getting the ball back for you, which they did so many mm. times. Your man love game. for Tony Romo is no, no. I'm just watching the tape and I'm Kid, seeing a quarterback like, that isn't at Romo's. This is actually going to be called. Me and my love for Tony Romo, a Me podcast by Rome Laurie Horish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should have a spin-off. I just think when you actually look at it and, and not listen to the noise surrounding and voice from outsiders and actually look at how the team's constructed, I don't think you're seeing this derailing momentum, sure. splitting the locker room. Anyway, moving on. Yes. At Daz Seg, he wants to know when will Jim Irsay, cult owner, realise Grigson and Pagano ain't no Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> And really shake things up. It's got to be. Beatles reference in pod. Congratulations, Daz Seg. He's a great, great Twitter follower and follower. Mm. Who's Yoko Ono in this analogy? That is such a good question. I mean, some people would say it's Jim Irsay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Probably probably the offensive coordinator. And it totally is Yoko Ono in that scenario. Yes, he's the one. Demanding a peach served in perfume in an old man's hat. It was an experimental time uh, back when Yoko was running around and. Jim Irsay has been known for some experimental experiences of himself of recent times. Far out. Okay. Uh, I look, I think it can't be long. I think Pagano, as we mentioned, got to be near the head of the line for first coach provide. And you look at the draft results by Grigson, by the general manager, really awful of late, really providing no young core structure to the team. And the draft is everything. It's good, young, cheap talent. Have we got anyone in line to take that job then? What, in terms of general managers and head coaches? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a litany of coaches who would love to come and say, okay, yes, I'll coach Andrew Luck. Sure. What's Jim Harbour up to? He's fixed Michigan. When does he come in and take the quarterback yeah. that he had at Stanford all those what years? What about Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the Pats? Light up the AFC a little bit. Is there not a thinking that maybe McDaniels, so ingrained in the Bill Belichick culture, would be a sleeper cell for the Patriots at the helm of the Colts <laughs> and bring them down from that the inside? That would be a Belichick That's master what you stroke, would love, wouldn't Melanie. It? Wouldn't it? We move on to our old mate, Dominic Burke, uh, tweeting us at... at Hard count, Fox. With if the tree fell on the AFC South and destroyed it, would anybody notice? I don't think so. Uh, no. 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 I think okay. that's blanket yeah, that's nose. <laughs> and that was our mailbag. And that was our mailbag. Feel free to hit us up, as you said, at Hard Count Fox. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I've come around to recently? Mm. Reality television. You have. Yeah, I've got to admit that um, it's gone from Go being. On. Name, name your shows. It's the guiltiest of guilty pleasures, but The Bachelor really reeled me in this year. Really reeled me in. Do you like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I liked The Bachelor. I dabbled in The Bachelorette last week. And? Because the missus sort of pushed me into it. And I was like, 
moaning and pissing that I was going to have to watch it. Um, pissing down my leg, in fact. <laughs> um, it's disgusting. And um, yeah. and uh, I've got to say, <laughs> judging people is so much fun. It's an it's amazing pastime. It's what I'm doing that right now. It brought yeah. me and my fiance together. <laughs> it's incredible, and uh, it sounds like we've got another opportunity we uh, do. for more reality television Catching involving Kelsey. NFL players. Yeah, Travis uh, Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, the the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Your team. Yeah, yeah. You've got the win the over the Raiders. That I love the Chiefs, and I told you they were imposters as well. This, anyway, play on. This uh, past week in Australia, that series uh, debuted on E. And it's How do much, I miss it? Yeah, what it, time's it on? It's you can get it on catch up on Foxtel okay. guys. Because it airs so. at three thirty AM on a Thursday. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's pretty I'm much the only awake then, the yeah. only dating show worth watching if you were an NFL fan or if you just like, you know, dirty reality shows. It's a lot of fun. There are some ridiculous moments in it and, and he's a fun player, like he knows how to party, but apparently he's looking for love. And week by week, I've decided dance. he can. Yeah, give I, us the best. I, I've decided best I'm going to give you my catching Kelsey <laughs> highlight of the week, and this one comes from Jacqueline from Ohio, who had this slick parting shot for Kelsey after she was, spoiler alert, brutally eliminated. I'm not a vindictive or a mean person by any means, so I'm going to be honest at this point. I'm just going to try to be a professional baseball player. Oh. <laughs> That, Thank you. Look, you know, Thank you can't feel so too much. bad for her. She's got a plan. We have discussed emotional <laughs> vampires in the past. Does this have echoes of the Tim Tebow move to baseball? Yeah, I think so. You know, football oh, didn't Tebow, work out, out, so this is the dating version of it. I'm it's going. To, I'm going to go find a baseball player. Mm. Deary me. So thank you very much for You're catching welcome. Kelsey uh, Mel's moment watch it of the so week. So you don't have to. So. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. One yeah. of the great contributions you've had to the Hard Count franchise I'm over a, the years. I'm a journalist. So, from <laughs> television to the future, the Week 7 headlines, Melanie. Headlines, Crystal headlines, balls are headlines, out, headlines. Melanie. Yes, what do I think will happen in Week 7? Wow, we're, oh. we're already like approaching the halfway point. Isn't that a bit scary? He's just getting away from us. That Vikings-Eagles game That's is tantalizing. Be, yeah, I've, that, that popped up out of Wentz, me as well. Bradford, Bradford's revenge. Mm. It's make or break for the Eagles. Yeah, you know what could be a lot of fun? Saints-Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I think this could be the one where... You know, the Saints is firepower in their offense. Yeah, the Chiefs' defense is good, but there's no way they have the offense to match New Orleans' level, right? So you're calling New Orleans make their statement. In you Kansas. think they're going to beat the Chiefs in Kansas? Yeah. Fascinating. I think the Patriots are going to put 50 on the Steelers. The Patriots are going to put 50 on the... the, the That's not a terrible call. Less Steelers are going to cop a 50-burger. Yeah. I don't think the Bengals are as bad as we've seen, and they mm-hmm. still managed to put 35 on them. Mm-hmm. Bengals started strong a, as well. A Steelers side that is absolutely reeling, and then, as we know, no Roethlisberger. My headline of the week? Yep. Go. After Dontari Poe at 346 pounds took in a, t- a lateral for a touchdown for the Chiefs in their win over the Raiders. This is a long headline. Vince Wilfork responds... Getting himself a touchdown catch oh, for the Texans. I love it. In the only oh. touchdown of the Texans versus Broncos okay. defensive juggernaut game. And after that, I think that wraps us up yeah, well, for week six, looking into week seven. Be dancing into week seven, baby. If you want to get in touch with us, of course, we've mentioned it so many times because we want your thoughts, your feedback, your input, your hot takes, your warm takes, your cold takes at Hard Count Fox. And stakes. At Patrick Stack Fox. Mm. At Melanie Danyashki, D-I-N-J-A-S-K-I, at Laurie Horish, still without a tick. Oh. And <laughs> astonishing. The hashtag hard count. Until then, 
We will see you next time. We're hard. You can count on us.